Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Life Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. Thank you. Just remain standing just for a little bit. This week, I, you know how sometimes God brings things back to you? I, I, I've been... I've been drawn to the cross, especially after, you know, after Pastor Mark's ministry. How good was that? And then I remember years ago, I preached this message. And the message really was, was, was by Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was, a, he was the pastor, leader of Westminster Abbey in England. Traditional church, but had a dynamic message. And, and, and he gave this comment, he just made this amazing statement. It was this, is when you hear the gospel, if you don't think it's exaggerated, you haven't heard the gospel. And then I'm reading that and God's starting to speak to me. And then another one of the pastors that mentors me is with the Lord now, said it like this. Because when you hear the gospel of the cross, if it doesn't make you jump out of your skin and scream, wow, you haven't heard it. I got kind of convicted because I go, oh, you know, I take communion and and it's, oh, yeah, just had communion. But I believe today God wants to open up our eyes and bring us back to a point. See, wherever you get excited is where you get your breakthrough. Let me say that again. Is what, when you hear the Word of God, if you get excited, that is your breakthrough. If there is no excitement, the breakthrough is knocking on your door. (laughs) I'm feeling really good today. This is going to be good. Father, I just thank you and I pray that you would elevate us today from the natural to the supernatural, from the ordinary to the extraordinary. God, from the basics to the eloquence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Father, right now we take everything into captivity. We take time into captivity. We take our, we needed to go to lunch captivity. Father, we take everything into captivity so that we can get our breakthrough. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Come on. Thank you, worship team. And then afterwards, we're going to put what we preached this morning. Again, we're going to open up the altar call and then have people praying with you and believing for a breakthrough. What I want to share with you today, and those watching online as well, is the power of letting the cross speak. To understand the gospel, first you need to understand there's a word we call messenger. God sent messengers. The early apostles were not called apostles, they were called the messengers of God. The word messenger is an old term. It's not an old English term, it's an old Bible term. See, the word messenger comes from when every time these two nations would come and have war, they would actually meet together in a neutral place, and then they would fight it out. Every king had messengers. And the messenger had two things that he needed to do. Number one, a messenger was never allowed to be opinionated. So when the king picked the messenger, 
He didn't want somebody that was eloquent in arguing. He didn't want somebody that's eloquent in reading. What he wanted was somebody that understood the message and delivered it the same way that it was given. You good now? So a messenger is not there because he's eloquent. He's not there because he can hold an argument. He's there because he understands the message. And he has the ability to appropriate the message when it's given. So what would happen if the battle is going really badly, the king would get the messenger to go back to his city and says, you need to be prepared. We are losing and they're going to come against you. Be prepared. Make a run for it. The other one was when the king looks at the field and they have won. He sends the messenger back to the city to proclaim this. The victory is now ours. You need to start to celebrate. So the messenger told them what had happened and what they must do. So, when the, so what would happen is when the messenger come back and says, Hey, we have won the battle. We need to now start to celebrate because the king is coming back with the troops. So in other words was this, is that the people had to act on the message. It wasn't just to celebrate it, but it was to act on it. So now when we talk about the cross, Paul said it this way, I don't want to know anything else among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, to understand, so we need to move this to the supernatural. The first thing, we need, the second basis, number one, understanding the message. Number two, is the Bible or the Word of God or Scripture is a supernatural book that needs to be read in a supernatural way. So if you, this afternoon, Google the cross, most of the stuff that Google will tell you, Yahoo will tell you, Bing will tell you, all of that, that will give you the definition of the cross through natural eyes. So most of the material that is given to us about the cross is given through natural thinking. See, natural thinking says this, you know, Oh, look, look at Jesus. Um, oh, he's on the cross. He's, he's, what, what's happening to him? Look how he's suffering. Look, you know. Now, watch this now. So it's natural. So we got it supernaturally. Let's understand the cross. The cross has its heritage when we are introduced to it. We'll show you that it's, not, it's an Old Testament thing that was invited, that was taken to another level by the Romans. So when we, see the thing, when we see the cross in a natural sense, we look at it through Roman eyes. The cross was to represent that you have overstepped the culture of Rome. Number two, it represented is when you've done something against Rome, we will make a public display over you. Third, the cross was meant to represent to give you the longest amount of pain before you die. It was to let you experience the fullness of the body. Of every pain that can happen to you, this is what the cross was designed. And the cross was also designed this. If you go against us, this is what will happen to you. All negative. 
Cross was never a positive thing. And what they would do it is they would do it publicly. It's to shame you, to shame your family. So the cross represented everything negative. So when we look at the cross in a natural thing, it's about shame. It's about pain. It's about that you have broken the law, you have been found out, and your suffering will be public. Good? So for us now, because we're in the kingdom, if we don't understand this, things happen. Now watch this. In 1 Corinthians 1, 18-21, says this, reading out of the Message Bible. The message that points to, to Christ on the cross seems like sheer silliness to those who are hell-bent on destruction. But those on the way of salvation, it makes perfect sense. This is the way God works, and most powerfully as it turns out. It is written, I'll turn conventional wisdom on its head. I'll expose the so-called experts as shams. So where can you find some truly wise, truly educated, truly intelligent in this age? Hasn't God exposed it all as pretentious nonsense? Since the world, in all its fancy wisdom, never had a clue when it came to knowing God, God, in his wisdom, took delight in using what the world considered stupid, preaching of all things. My profession is called stupid. Okay. Stupid, preaching of all things, to bring those who trust in him into the way of salvation. Watch this. The cross is so misunderstood. The world, in all of its wisdom, still doesn't get what happened on the cross. See, see the cross answers so many questions. See, the, the cross gives you, once you understand the cross, you never ask this, God, is it your will? When you don't understand the cross, you ask the wrong questions. And the most question. The question that is like number one on the ask, to do ask list is this God, is it your will? Is it your will to, for me to prosper? Is it your will for me to get healed? Is it your will for me to buy this? Is it your will? See, if you are still asking that question, may I present to you this morning that the reason you're asking the wrong question. Is because you haven't had a full revelation of the cross. Say amen. For the person next to you, not you, okay? So the cross gives you this. See, the cross doesn't ask you. The cross doesn't say, oh, you better ask God. The cross says this, how do I manifest what has been given to me? How do I appropriate it? See, the cross doesn't do, is it God's will? It answers that. And the question then for us is this, is how do I appropriate what's already mine? You good? So the cross does that. Now, look at this. 
in the first we get mentioned about the cross is in the book of it's it's when God wanted it was they were on their way to get the promises. Okay? So this scripture comes in as God has taken them out of slavery. They, they're going through to, to accept their, um, all of their promises. And in the middle, middle of it, there are people that step out of God's protection. See, most the, the, the theology that sometimes comes into us is that God is punishing us. Hey, do you know when you speed, right? Why do you, you step out of the law, Correct. And then you get one of those nice letters in the end, you know. <laughs> Come on. How many of you had a speeding ticket? You were not being punished. You broke the law. <laughs> the government doesn't even know who, what you look like. They do now because they take a picture of you. But you step out of it. So you get these people that are destined for the promises of God step out. And the moment they step out, guess what? These snakes come and bite them and give them pain. So they step out of the protection of God. And then these snakes start to bite them. So they come back to Moses and complain. And then, Moses, and then God speaks to Moses. Now watch this. The answer of the problem is not where it started. The answer's always with God. So Moses comes to God and says, what do I do? And, and, and Moses listens to God and listens to this. Look at uh, Numbers 21, verses 8 to 11, says this. And he instructed Moses, the eternal one, make a venomous snake that looks like the ones tormenting the congregation. And put it on a pole. Everyone who gets bitten, simply to look at your serpent and be healed. So Moses took the bronze and cast a likeness of those vicious snakes to serve as an antidote for anyone who had been bitten. If they were to look on the bronze serpent, they would then Live. Just watch this. If you, th- if you think that grace is a New Testament idea, have a look at this. These people made a conscious decision that were going to step out of God's will. They get into trouble, and God invites them back. And I want you to notice something here. That all they had to do was look. They didn't have to bring a gift. They didn't have to have long prayers. They didn't have to promise God that they were going to do things. So what he did this, watch this, this is the beauty of it. He took the pole, he lifted it up, and then what did he do? He put the source of their misery, the snake. And what does the snake do? The snake administers the poison. So God did not only deal with the poison, he dealt with the source. Think about this. What does a snake do? A snake is a snake. And what does it do? It has to bite you to administer what's inside it. Deep. 
So what does God do? He says, I'm not just going to deal with the symptom of your pain. I want to destroy the source of your pain. And then he does something else. He lifts it up. Why does he lift it up? Because the snakes, the problem is on the ground. You've got to lift your head from where the problem happened to where the problem is solved. And you know what they do? They had to shut up in front of it. They couldn't come doing anything. All they simply had to do, now watch how powerful this is. All they had to do, I'm walking, I am in pain, I've got my, and then you look up. And the moment you looked up, the power of God came into your system and removed the poison out of your system. So th this is absolutely powerful. Because it there's nothing you have to do. You just got to look. The Bible took it out. All you got to do is believe. He doesn't give us this 10 approach to getting the poison out of your system. There is poison in your financial world. There's poison in your physical world. There's poison in your relationship. There's so much poison going around there. And we're so busy trying to get the poison out when God says, I've dealt with it. So, all, so your focus has to be on what's on the pole, not just the pole. Theology based on human reasoning speaks more about the cross than what happened on the cross. As we learned before, if the message you have heard about the cross doesn't leave you speechless, doesn't leave you, wow, this is too good to be true, you haven't heard the full message. Now watch this, you good? Now this is just foundation to where we want to go. Look at John 3, verses 14 and 15. And just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of the venomous snake on a pole, for all the people to be seen and healed. I want you to just stop here right for a second. Underline, if you're taking down notes, see and be healed. So if you can see it, you can be healed. So whatever you see will manifest. If you're seeing pain, that's, that's what you're going to manifest. So, so, the, so now we're talking about heavenly wisdom, things that seem silly to the world. If I can see it, I can have it. You're not excited. <laughs> Would you like me to, can I say this in Greek? No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> okay. So the son of man, he's talking about himself, is ready to be lifted up. And so so what, we, we don't have a cross that somebody made Jesus. He says, I, I'm ready. This is what I'm, Simon is. So that those who truly believe in him will not perish, but be given eternal life. I want you to, again, just underline that given. I see, I am given. I see, and I'm healed. I believe, and I am given. Put them together. Don't separate them. You know, one of the things that we use in, when we do marriage seminars and things like that, we, we go, Whom God, what God has joined together, let no man. 
then why do we, we, we do that in marriage, but we don't do that with everything else. God has joined seeing and healed in one. Why do we separate it? Second, I believe and I am given eternal life. Why do we separate it? Why do we separate so many things? Whom God, what God has joined together. God has joined night and day together. You can't separate it. God is putting seasons together. You can't separate it. See, what earthly theology does, it is a theology of separation, and it separates us. Yeah, I can see Jesus, but I'm still the same. It will make sense. It will make sense. Now watch this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made the one, the, the only one who did not know sin become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through the union with him. Now watch this. See, when every time you see a picture of the cross. The Bible says, watch this, and God made the only one who did not know sin for us that we might become. He became sin for us. Now watch this. Can I ask you a really serious question this morning? Did Jesus ever commit adultery? Okay, consensus is not sure. Okay, you, you know the answer. Did Jesus ever murder anyone? Did Jesus ever steal? Was Jesus ever sick? Was Jesus ever broke? Was Jesus ever depressed? Was Jesus ever demonized? Did Jesus always have a good attitude? <laughs> Now watch this. So, so understand this. If, you don't, if we, we don't understand this, we, suffer, we struggle with grace. Jesus didn't commit sin to become a sinner. Just, just let that click in. Is that Jesus was spotless. Did you, let me just show you how powerful this is, right? The only way Jesus could die on the cross was for him to become a sinner. Because he who sins must, Jesus never sinned, so how could he die? Think about it. When God made Adam, he never gave him an you know, expiry date. Adam, even with his sin, was in his 800s. Can you imagine being miserable and living long? Oh, I am so miserable. Don't give me that gift of living long. <laughs> What's going on here? See what you're doing to me? Watch this. So, in turn, Jesus didn't sin to become a sinner. But then, let's go over. So that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. So how do we become righteous? Not by doing, but by believing. What does that mean? Is that if you are praying to be righteous, you've missed it. If you are giving to get, 
you've missed it. Oh God, I am worshipping so I can be more like you. You missed it. God, see what happens is here, watch this. Jesus became sin. This is what's called the supernatural power of God. How do you become something without committing the offense? It's called supernatural. That is why the cross is so phenomenal, that God himself became what he didn't commit. And if, if we struggle with that, see, when I'm looking at the cross, I could maybe just see the blood, the suffering, and a brief conversation. But God is looking at the cross in a supernatural way. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Look at Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 53, 1. It starts off with this amazing music verse. Chapter 1, chapter, verse 1, Isaiah 53. Indeed, who would ever believe it? Who would possibly accept what we've been told? Who has witnessed the awesome power and the plan of the eternal one in action? Which, who had believed it? See, faith is supernatural, not natural. And what happens is when we're looking at the cross... If all we're seeing is pain, if we're seeing what everybody else sees, we're missing it. He says, who would have believed it? Who would possibly accept what we've been told? Who has witnessed the awesome power, plan of God in action? Take this verse, transpose it to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he put it in action and gave his only begotten son. You cannot tell somebody you love them without an action. If you are telling somebody you love them and you are not, there's no action, what you're doing is you're spelling the word L-O-V-E. You cannot say I am faithful without having a corresponding action. I can't do this. Sylvia, I love you, but today I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to clean up after myself. I'm not going to give you any money. I'm not going to do anything, but I love you. She would go, Ted, I'm trading you in. <laughs> and she'd be, in, she'd be right. That isn't love. Come on. Forgiveness is only a word until it's put in action. How? Once you say, I'm sorry, you forget about it and live on. You know what it says about Jesus? He was healing in action. Everybody that touched him got healed. I, I, I challenge you this morning, and those watching online as well, look at the scripture. Tell me one person that Jesus said, I'm not going to heal you because I'm, you know, you, you're not good enough. Mm. Oh, okay. it's, it's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better. Now watch this. Verses 4 and 5 at Isaiah 53. Now, just, just before we stop that, I think for those of you not too sure, that the religious system, especially in, in the Jewish world, Zion 53 is never read in, the, in most synagogues. It's because when a, a Jew reads this, they only come to one conclusion. It's talking about Jesus. It's called the hidden scripture. Now, watch this. Now, let's, now we're going to go from an earthly realm 
to a supernatural realm. Okay? Now I'm talking to you not as babies in God, but as mature men and women. And maturity's got nothing to, nothing to do with age. Watch this. Yet it was our suffering he carried. Who would have picked up that you saw your own sin on Jesus? Think about this. Mary is looking at him. John is looking at him. All the disciples are looking at him, and none of them see their sin on Jesus. They see Jesus that's being crucified. Wow. Pre-cross, after-cross. Think about it. Just, just let, let that sing for a while. That the people that witnessed the crucifixion didn't see this. They were weeping instead of rejoicing. Think, think this. You good? Because it was for our suffering he carried. Our pain and distress. Our sick to the soulness. We just figured that God had what? Rejected him. Wow. Let's let just work the word rejected mean. You know the word rejected means this. That you have now become totally devoid of any help at all. That means that Jesus is on the cross. Now watch this very carefully. Jesus is on the cross. Now I know because of the morals and the things that Jesus was stripped naked. The reason he was stripped naked, what Rome wanted to do, is that you have lost all covering. You have lost everything that pertains to people that are, under, they are there. You are up here. That he was totally destitute. The word there, destitute or rejected, means this. That you don't know anybody who can help you, and you cannot help yourself. You are totally and utterly alone. No help at all. All. Think about this in this world. We so, there's so much depression. And we are depressed on such small things. People get depressed because their favorite food is not available when you want to eat it. People get depressed it's because, man, there are four people waiting at the checkout. And don't they realize how important I am? My wife is sitting in the car park. And I can see every minute there's an argument coming up. Man, for every five minutes, there's a half an hour discussion. Oh. So Jesus is totally rejected. That God was the reason he hurt so badly. Guess what this? People were going, oh, there, God's punishing him. Why is he punishing him? He said he was God. People looked at the cross as the judgment of God on Jesus. Work with me. They looked at the cross. They said, God is ticked off at him. God's punishing Jesus because he didn't do what he was told. Let's go further. But he was hurt because of us. He suffered so our wrongdoings Wounded and crushed him. He endured the breaking that made us. Now, I want you to notice this word whole. When you read the word whole, it touches the spirit, 
the soul, and the body. It touches everything about the man and the woman and about the things that they can experience while on earth. You good? The word whole means that God wants you to have a whole, he wants you, number one, to be whole, but he wants you to live in a whole environment. He wants you to have whole relationships. He wants you to be whole financially, spiritually, in every other way. So the, what happens here now, watch this. This is where we're going to go in the next couple of weeks. And, and I, I pray that it's, it's, if you understand this, you'll be amazed. So when we are to look at the cross, just, let me just put a pause for a minute. Just, we're going to get up for prayer in a moment. Why do you think that Jesus said this? He says, as often as you come together, whether you're with two people in a congregation, I want you to take the supper, remembering what's happened. Now, watch this. So, we, so now, look at transpose this, that we are to see ourselves that Jesus is taking our pain, our sickness, our madness, our depression, our loss, our whatever, our curse on him. So it works like this. If you go back to the book of Numbers, is if you can see your pain being finished on the cross, you can have it. Let me give you an illustration of this. I woke up yesterday morning. And if, I'm, if I get overtired, uh, sometimes my, one of my ears starts to hurt. And, um, and, and I'm going through the day, and it got, it, it got to a point that I couldn't move my head. And then it kind of subsided a little bit, and we were around the meal table. And every time I opened my mouth, it was like a pin going into my ear. Now, I didn't let anybody else know around the meal table, but I started praying internally. And God said this, I felt the Holy Spirit say this, Jesus had an earache on the cross for you. The moment I realized and I saw that in my spirit, instantly gone. Now, th think about this. Let's, let's go another level. We'll, we'll deal with this next week. Paul said it this way, he became poor that I might become rich. What, did, what was Paul saying? When I look at the cross, I see my poverty. See, whatever you're going through, you can see it on the cross. Come on. Come on. I know this is deep for Sunday morning. But when I look at the cross, I see Ted Fabianic. I see Ted... You did this wrong. You did this wrong. You're not good. You don't pray enough. You don't da-da-da-da-da, on and on and on. And God says, why are you seeing that? You're, the thing is what you're seeing, that I'm paying for that. So when you see it on the cross, means it's being dealt with. If you can see it on the cross, it's being dealt with. So what was Paul saying about finances? If you can see your finances, that you are broke, that Jesus became poor so that you can become wealthy, he was taking your poverty to transfer his wealth. That Yesterday, I saw, my, I saw Jesus with my earache. And the moment I did that, it was instantaneous. When people say, what happened to your sin? The cross. 
That is why Paul kept on saying, I don't want to know anything else among you except him and him what? And the word there, crucified, means that everything that I went, that I had to go through, became on the cross. My sin became his sin. My sickness became his sickness. My curse became his curse. My rejection became his rejection. So let me ask you this question this morning. What do you see on the cross? Do you see a Jewish body dismangled? Do you see just blood? Do you see the jeering? Or do you see it from a heavenly perspective? That Jesus becomes everything that I am so that I can become everything that he is. Worship team, why don't you come up? So, what do you need to do? See, the the question now is, it's, it's no longer, is it God's will? Is how do I appropriate the cross at 11.31 on the 6th of November? How do you appropriate it? Let me just show you this. Let's do it practically. What are you struggling with right now? Let's say it's depression. Where do you... See, the thing is, natural says, I I see myself depressed. Well, why don't you see the depression on the cross and Jesus dealing with it? If you see a broken relationship, where do you see it? You see it at the cross. We are used to seeing it on us. But God says, take your eyes off you. See it on the cross. Let's go back to numbers. He says, I want you to lift it up. Now, I want you to now watch this. Watch this. I can give you something visually. The snakes had beaten them, not on their arms, but mainly on their feet. So what was happening is where was the wound? On their feet. And God says, I want you to take, I want you to take your eyes off where the venom came in. I want you to take it up on the pole. I want you to lift your eyes up. Because if you can see it up here, you will experience it down here. If you want to take this to another level, God said it. He says, pray from heaven, let heaven be manifested on earth. Never let earth be manifested in heaven. See, whatever you see will get manifested. So what do you see? Do you see yourself as righteous or do you see yourself as a sinner? Do you see your sickness or do you see your healing? I'm going to we're going to close in one minute, but I need to say this. Why do we, why is there such a significance on this? Of Jesus came, he was crucified, and then he rose again, correct? Come on, correct? You know what the, you know what the resurrection Sunday means every single day? It is your guarantee what you're seeing has been done. It's your guarantee. Because the grave is empty, the stone is rolled away, the death clothes are still in the grave, 
God says, now you know that what you're seeing that I'm suffering for, it is what? Finished. It's finished. I can see it. Where's your pain? On the cross, Jesus paid for it. Where's your sickness? Jesus is on the cross. He paid for it. He became my sickness. He became my poverty. He became my curse. So the question we have, well, we need to stop looking at ourselves. Stop looking where you have been bitten. Look from where your salvation comes from. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. It says, looking unto what? Him, not you. So when people say, what was on the cross? My sin was on the cross. My sickness was on the cross. My curse was on the cross. Every depravity of me was on the cross. But guess what? I didn't stay on the cross. I died. I went down. Then I came up and I am now the new person. Next week, we're going to talk to you about 12 things that has been exchanging to your account. So this week, if you get sick, Jesus took my sickness on the cross. I can see it. To me, because I asked God Saturday morning, God, how do I appropriate this? And that meal table just said, this was this. I saw Jesus with my earache. And the moment I saw that, it was like somebody took the pin out of my ear and I went bang and I'm going, wow. And God says, that's how it works. What do you see? From today onward, I want you to see your healing on the cross. I want you to see that you have no lack on the cross. Because the Bible says it's supernatural. Everybody sees a bloodied body suffering, but God looks at it. Ted, you're seeing your redemption. You know what? The cross was had a significance of being dominated for poverty and sickness. And God resurrected the symbol of the cross to one of victory. Why don't you stand with me? In a moment time, um, we're going to have to pick up our kids from Children's Church. Um, we'll be going up to do DNA. But what we want to do, if you're sick this morning, what we want to do, we want to pray for you. But as we pray for you, I want you to see your sickness on the cross. If you've got lack, you want us to pray for you? What, we want to, what, we, what I want you to do is I want you to use your spiritual insight. And you go, Jesus was made poor so that I can become wealthy. You know, whatever it is, if you see yourself, Ted, I'm struggling with depression. I want you to see that Jesus took your depression. He became your depression and he's paying for it. So what we want to do is we want to have our eyes elevated to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that there be a revelation coming out of this house right now. Father, those of us that are here right now, those of us that are watching, that Father, after today, I will not see Ted Fabianic on the ground. I will see Jesus on the cross dying for me and then being resurrected for me. So Father, I put a blessing upon this house. 
Father, I put a blessing on every family. Blessed shall you be when you go out. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall be your relationships. Blessed shall be your boss. Blessed shall be your finances. Blessed shall be your industry. Father, I pray that blessed shall be all your relationships. Father, we put a blessing upon them. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As the band starts to sing, parents, if you'd like to just pick up your children, if you need prayer, we, we, we're going to pray for you. And God bless you and, and have a great week. Shit. Somebody.